one of your hosts, Mara Kate Elliott, and I'm joined, as always, by my lovely co-host, LaToya Ferguson. Hey, LaToya. You know where Michael J. Fox was good? The Good Wife. And you can watch every episode of that on CBS All Access. As You can also watch every episode of Family Ties on CBS All Access. Make a better choice. Whoa, man. <laughs> I was about to say, good why? <laughs> <laughs> All right, and we are joined by returning guest, Allie Monroe. What's up, Allie? Hello. You know, Hi. not a lot is up. No, not much. I mean, we're all still grieving. Uh, we watched uh, <laughs> iconic Emmy-winning, ep- multiple Emmy-winning episodes of Family Ties, uh, the season five, episode 23, A, My Name is Alex, which, if you're not super familiar with all those specifics, it's the one where Alex's friend dies in an accident. And it previously unseen like friends. Yes, Alex never before mentioned friends. Never mentioned before. I mean, I've never really seen this show. I think I must have seen just like a little bit enough to like do do well at trivia games. Like I've seen that much of anything, but like I've never actually watched the show in earnest. Um, although I was a huge fan of Michael J. Fox, so I knew enough about it from just like researching Michael J. Fox. That's because you're just a big Doc Hollywood fan. That's why I've read all three of his biographies, so I do know a lot about <laughs> his background of, on the show, but not much about like the actual show itself. Um, and I will say most of my notes are about how hot Michael Gross is. <laughs> like, we'll oh my god. <laughs> Oh my god. I got a type, guys. I got a capital T type. Uh, but so, he he, he he loses his friend, and his friend shows up throughout the episode, which we'll break down, as a ghost, question mark, and more like, you know, emotional trauma, and then he goes to see a psychiatrist, and we'll get into it. He it's has a just, mental breakdown, so of course he needs to see a tree. It's basically like the Frighteners before the Frighteners existed. <laughs> if you're not familiar with the other oeuvre of Michael J. Fox, it was the Peter Jackson movie from the 90s. But like, <laughs> he, he, I don't even know how to describe it. He, well, you've all heard, everyone knows Family Ties in general. It's pretty much just like one of those tropey like 1980s sitcoms that most people are familiar I with. I wish we could have... I wish we could have watched the drunk Tom Hanks episode. What? I didn't know about that. There's a drunk Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks is alcoholic the uncle. Courtney Cox episode. Oh, there's like 14 of those, right? When I looked up, I looked up at the people who were in the show mostly to see what else Michael Gross has done lately. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a list of people, and then Courtney Cox is like tenth down the line. I'm like, Jesus Christ, she's like a regular on this show, basically. For I mean, I guess like a whole season. Alex's girlfriend. Uh, before he cast his future wife as his girlfriend and said bye, Courtney Cox, because uh, eventually Tracy Pollard comes on here. But um, uh, I, it's one of those shows where I think everyone's familiar with it. But tangentially, if you're not like you know having had a, had experience with it firsthand, it's basically like a wannabe yuppie who's like a teenager, well up to college at this point. You know, family of liberals. And a family of very lefty, they call them lefty in all the all the uh, written promo for the show. It's leftist parents. I'm like, that seems like, looking back at them, I'm like, that's kind of weird that they call them leftist parents. Because it's, it's not like they're just liberal. It's They're calling them like leftist, which is a little strange. But they're kind of like, I guess you'd describe them as sort of like hippie-ish. But not really. Yeah. I mean, they're not really. Well, they're just they not were. Reagan. They're like, they don't subscribe to Reagan's politics. Which made you a hippie, I guess. It's an era when, like, everyone subscribed to Reagan's I mean, politics. Gross... They somehow broke their son into becoming, like, the biggest, like, Reagan supporter in the entire world. And Michael Gross walks in in, like, a three-piece suit and everything. So it wasn't like they're, like... Oh, a... my God! They're not, like, like hippie hippies, like, in a traditional... This, like, horniness for Michael Gross <laughs> is just... <laughs> this needs to stop. 
<laughs> Look, man, I'm not a fan of it myself, but it was. I don't, it's not even a you modern. Seem to be a fan of it's it. It's not even a modern thing because I definitely had most of my 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 knowledge of Michael Gross was. Oh my God, that's the shitty uh, John Carter's dad. <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I guess when he was younger, it was like, oh, he's actually much closer to what my type would have been in this. But um, he, he. I don't think there was ever a, like a time when people were like that, babe, Michael Gross. But knock yourself really? out, Mora. Oh, I think Tremors. No, I mean, he was definitely at least like I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> I know. Wait, oh I'm my god, now I have way too much knowledge about. Oh my herself with his entire filmography since this morning. No, but he he really does. I was thinking that when I was watching the episode, he really does look like a young Noah Wiley. Like it was good casting on that show. Like, oh, he does. Oh, what he does? I think he looks like Noah Wiley when he was like. Shooting up. That's the no Wiley that I was into. What? Oh. what? <laughs> he looks like Alan Alda. Um, you're he getting does. closer to the reason why I like him. Okay. <laughs> oh my god. Look, man. We can all acknowledge that Alan Alda was very, very much a, a babe back in the day. Am I crazy we in all... saying that? I actually don't think that. He was. Wow. I thought that was, like, yeah, common. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Ooh. I mean, I think he was, like, in a... I think he was, like, a niche hot. Like, I think women were attracted to him, but I don't think anyone was, like, because he's hot. I it was, like, the most popular show in the world. I thought he would just, like... Why make him a babe? Well, his charisma helped. I'm just trying to say. Well, at me, at me, guys, if you're also a fan of the Michael Gross and all the style father from the 80s. But no, he, 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 um, he's a, he's a little yuppie, and his parents are, I guess you would say, would-be hippies, but they're really just liberal. I mean, it's really, there's, it's just like a, uh, that's just the watchword, is they're calling them, like, hippie, but, um, they're, and like, he, kind of, like, regular. Yeah, and also, like, he's a, he's not just a, like, wannabe yuppie, he's, like, the most type A personality that's ever existed. He, like, we'll see later in the episode, he was... Well, allegedly, because it's not even realistic, but he was listening to the Nixon tapes when he was, a, like, a second grader or something. Um, and then trying to find flaws in John Dean's argument. Very problematic. Yeah, it was a lot of weird shit, like, especially going back. He definitely like, helped run Trump's campaign, oh God, that's for sure. Did. But, like, the weirdest thing about it is when you watch this in, like, retrospect, as much as, like, you know, it's supposed to be, like, for played for laughs, the fact that he was listening to the Reagan tapes... But, like, he's really on the wrong side of history when you go back and watch it. Oh, no. It's crazy. This does kind of lead to, it's kind of the joke of, like, this general casting for Spin City because he goes from playing, like, this super conservative character, like, to the liberal Mike in Spin right. City. So it's, it's just so strange. At least that led to that. And it's, but it's, it's, I don't know. It's just something, like, really weird about how he's basically trying to get, get Nixon. Because he basically, when he, when later on the episode, he's basically trying to frame his argument, like, we can get Nixon back in the White House. I was like, what? What are you watching? But I guess it's just sort of that style of character wanted to just be right and be as like, neocon it's like, as possible. It's like the douchebag rich kid character, only he's not a rich yeah, kid. Yeah, it's so... so strange, right? It's, it's yeah. bizarre. But he, so he comes across as, I mean, a little bit um, grating, but he is Michael Doesn't Fox, he... so it's not too bad. Like, that's what is basically helps the yeah. character from wanting you to punch him in the face. Uh, you, can you imagine if it was cast anybody but him? Like, imagine Rob Lowe playing this character. Oh, I was gonna say, or James Spader. Like, I mean, he could pull off the time to use James Spader, Ugh. but like, it would be yeah, it would be so, even smarmier. The character would be the worst character I've ever seen. 
Um, but yeah, the only, re- the only way I can ever really handle Rob Lowe is when he's cast as an extreme liberal. So, like, God knows if he was playing, a, like, a Reaganite, I'd be like, next, please. But, uh, so they, they come home. We should just maybe just get into the episode, because it's really not a huge amount. It's mostly told in reflection upon, like, Alex's life. It's told as, like, a play. Yeah, it's, oh, it's not good. Um, and, like, a high school play. The second part definitely is, like, all play. The first part is a lot of just hallucinations. Yeah, people being awful post-funeral. I've never had conversations like that post-funeral. It's... Well, people not reacting appropriately to his mental breakdown. Oh, Jesus. It was nuts. Well, I think the parents People not okay. reacting properly yeah. to mental breakdown. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, including a Franciscan monk at one point. <laughs> I don't even know what to go with that one. But so, they come home from this, this friend who's never been seen before. I mean, I to be honest, watching this for the first time, I didn't think he was seen before. But you'd never even know, because they truly talk about him like he was another main character on the show who just died in a freak accident. Um, and then, literally... They probably could have just killed off some character who'd been there before, right. too. I mean, like, it was the 80s. It would have been a little bit more new and groundbreaking. It was not exactly... I mean, even this episode, in retrospect, it's ridiculous. But at the time, it was very, very, like, wow. This is a, like a TV event. Everyone tuned in to be like, this is so intense. There was no commercials in the second half of it, just to add to the, the drama. So, like, it was definitely the kind of stuff they could have done if they wanted to kill off an actual... Like, kill off whatever, the f- fucking Skipper or whatever his name was. Kill that It's all, like, a recurring character who, like, never shows up yeah. anymore or something. I don't know. But so he, he... They come home from this this guy, Greg, his funeral. He died in a... In a now, in some of the, re- the retellings, quote-unquote, of this episode, I remember people mentioning it was a drunk driving accident, but I guess it wasn't. It was actually just a freak accident. I think was so. It? Yeah. Which is biz- even more bizarre. I guess that's what's so dark about it. It's supposed to feel like it's truly... It was completely accidental. And there's no blame for it. It's just, that's life. Which is like... Well... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, not to bring it back to Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> but <laughs> they're doing on this season... Keep it on brand. On this season of Grey's Anatomy, they're doing these... We I still like them, but they're a little weird. They're doing um like ca- therapy character bottle episodes. So like in where like a character on, on Grey's Anatomy. No, they just like go off and like two characters will go off and one of the characters will be like cured of an emotional trauma by the end of the episode. <laughs> Wait, what? And you're not watching the episode. <laughs> you're not watching the, tr- the therapy, or are you watching the therapy? It's not, therapy is, is honestly unrelated, but it's just, like, uh, it, it reminded me of it, because it's, like, like, Jackson goes off to, like, confront his father who abandoned him, and by the end of the episode, like, Jackson is fine. Oh, my God. Well. <laughs> and it was kind of like that. <laughs> I mean, like. Is but there I a mean, that monk in that episode? I'd like to say that Grey's Anatomy pulled it off, and Family Ties. That's the the moral of that story? Jesus Christ. Yeah, the moral of the story is that Grey's Anatomy is doing great. (laughs) I love it. Thanks for the the, the check-in on Grey's Anatomy. (laughs) But, like, like, this episode starts with them coming back from his funeral, right? And then, literally, there's, like, this child. I guess it's supposed to be, like, the the cousin Oliver, who's, like, just introduced because... From what I've read on the show, Teeny Others was old, yes. too old to be the young, cute, cute one. Kid. So they cast this kid, who, who later on I thought was supposed to be a young version of Alex, because he says he is, but he's not. It's just 
that's just him saying that, but it's his youngest brother, I guess, is what the, the kid is. And he's yeah. like, you know, a, a little child. So he's, they're saying he, they're at the funeral and he's like, what's a funeral? And they're like, oh, Alex's friend Greg died. And he's like, I'd like to meet Greg. <laughs> it's like, Jesus, <laughs> fucking wrecked. So yeah, and it's just like, it's such a dark, like, thing. Cause the, and the, the audience is just eating this shit up, which is not even, I don't think it's. The audience? It's, you can, like, hear their bated breaths in their <laughs> laughter and clapping. It's so crazy. I mean, crazy. I forget from <laughs> the many bio- autobiographies of Michael J. Fox I've read. But um, I, I think this was taped in front of a live audience, or at least it definitely has the uh, laugh track sure of the was. century. Um, it might have been one of those, like, you know, they tape in front of an audience and then they pump in all those extra laughs just to make it extra uh, hilarious. Uh, but it is it is un- almost unconscionable I mean, to have people laughing this loudly over this tragic death I mean, of a child. Like, it's crazy. Like an article uh, about, like, this guy who, uh, I think, you know, he went to, like, a taping of a show, like, Two and a Half Men or something, and, or, like, Big Bang Theory, and he didn't expect to laugh, but it's just so infectious, basically, you can't oh, not yeah, laugh, even though you're like, friends, this is friends shit. Friends of the show have been on a Big Bang Theory can- uh, audience. I think Lisa's been on at least once. Um, but it is it is one of those things where... The to play. <laughs> no, but it's one of those things where you're watching it live, there's a lot of, like... I mean, there's... there's Not to say it in, in grosser terms, there's, like, a fluffer. There's a person who comes out to make sure everyone's feeling happy and laughing, like a warm-up comic and everything. Yeah, warm-up coming. You didn't have to start with fluffer. Well, no, but there, it's not just, like, a warm-up they, People come out and keep it going, because it's a long taping of certain shows. Some of them do multiple episodes in, in a taping, so... Like, it is definitely, like, a whole, like, industry of just keeping people in the audience, like, happy. Sometimes, I'm not, maybe not for Big Bang Theory, but others, like, I know I've heard of, like, pizzas getting delivered to certain tapings. Like, weird yeah. stuff like that, where they try and get the audience, yeah, like, those tapings. I want to go to the pizza I know, tapings. right? But, like, it's, it's, <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm like, I get where it's coming from. I'm sure it was just played up for the, you know, we needed a laugh track because we needed to bring some levity. I don't but... think so, because I've heard a lot of other, I think that that... I mean, like, I've watched quite a bit of Family Ties, and that laugh track sounded much different to me than the other laugh tracks. Well, it didn't didn't really (laughs) exist as much in the second half of the episode. It almost, like, it just went cold. Um, That one, maybe they didn't film in front of, like, the audience, you think? If anything, that should have been easier, because it was, like, like, a play, but I don't know. There were there were a couple laugh track moments in there, and then I don't know the clapping at the end was just like such a specific type of clapping, like a we did it, you guys clapping, like, a, like wow that like changed. Like I was I just I was just at the premiere of The Handmaid's Tale, and the slap the clapping at the end of the pilot of The Handmaid's Tale, and the clapping at the end of the, this episode of Family Ties sounded exactly the same to me. Clapping or like it does no, but it didn't because it does didn't sound the same at the end of like Tom Selleck being a guest on Friends. Well, I mean that's the, <laughs> I don't. There are different genres of clapping. Yeah, and that's what I mean by the. Fact I, that I mean I agree with I you. I think on... it was coached. Like a lot of stuff is coached, um, and this certainly felt like especially coached. I think, but like I said, a lot of people lo- thought of this episode. I think a lot it was genuine Riley. because the eighty. Exactly. That's Everyone wanted to clap in the like, 80s. Wow. <laughs> Is that what it was? All the cocaine? All the cocaine and misogyny. Yeah, you got you got to get the clapping out somewhere. Oh, my God. It was such so... weird emotional clapping, though. It's so weird. I yeah. really stand by the fact that it was, like, particularly emotional clapping. Yeah, I just, I find in general, uh, the audience's, like, 
sometimes the clapping response is like great because uh, I've been rewatching Living Single, and you can tell it's a very like black audience in the crowd. There's a, there, there are a lot of like ooh girls. You, you can just like hear, you can pick out from like the applause, and it's pretty amazing to watch. It's like a different character in the show. I don't That's... like a sterile laugh track. I want to, I want some real clapping, even some emotional clapping, like here. I think yeah. that's the problem, is that it actually is, like, less reactive than it could be. Especially considering we watch, like, people... I don't know. I, I mean, it doesn't... Either go with no clapter, no clapping or laughter, or do... Like, I don't know. It's just such a weird divide. I feel like at least, like, certain... But I think right there, your argument, that's, like, basically the argument uh, that, like, ha- happened with uh, award shows and the in-memoriams, because, like... No, you gotta stop with this clapping because you're clapping more for certain people, and now it's all just awkward. Can so we that just, kind of... can we just like give a, a good credit to I think the last couple of award shows where they yeah. muted they muted the, the the clapping. I mean, it's still shit like shitty that it probably happened at the show, which is just fucked up because there's got to be a friend or family member of each of those people in the audience, I'm sure. But like, Jesus Christ, that was gross, and that's what it kind of feels like at times during this episode where they're just like. Like, they'll be talking about how the friend died, and everyone's just like... <laughs> it's like, what are we watching? But, like, it's, it is definitely more muted um, in the second part of the episode, because it's sort of... It's not much... It's, fu- it's not a lot of funniness, to be honest. Like, there are some but I think it's funny. because the studio audience was, like, enraptured. Yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, it was like watching a play. I mean, if you watch a sad play, they're still clapping like throughout parts of it, or there's, like, some levity where people will laugh. But, like, to have such an intense drop off in the clapping made the first part seem even more like out of touch but it was probably just so the norm of that time that it didn't even seem like it was that out of place i guess because i think basically like 75 percent of like sitcoms at the time were taped in front of an audience or had a laugh track i think way more i think i would i would say probably basically everything besides i don't know i guess everything i can't i don't think i don't think their single camera got invented until the 90s I mean, there are a couple of, uh, I mean, really for comedy, yeah, obviously. not to go back to the, yeah, I was going to say not to go back to the uh, MASH, but I don't think MASH was live, right? Or no? Oh, no. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, there's certain I think things that the had, exception. there are pretty, there are pretty common, you know, tropes in 86 sitcoms. So, I mean, I was trying to give him a break on that, but it just felt especially, like, gross to watch people clapping. Although, I guess that's specifically America, because I think maybe England might have, like, a different percentage. Right. Yeah, that's probably true, too. Um, and then, so, so going, going forward, there's the sister is with the little brother. They're, like, I guess, like, coloring or just playing, sitting there, and talking about this, like, dead friend. Like, it's no big deal. And the audience is oh, eating it oh, up. This kid, shut up. Yeah, it's just, it's fucked up. Everything about it is, like, this is not the person to be talking about death with her brother. She's, like, a teenager. <laughs> like, this just seems like you're gonna fuck this kid up forever by saying, like, like, it's just bad. But, uh, the parents get back, everyone, like, arrives, and they're immediately, like, zingers, like, getting barbed all over the place, because everyone's, like, having a good time post-funeral. And then, like... Alex typically is being very weird. Yeah. Well, he come. Well, they're, like, you know... <laughs> someone was, like, you know, oh, I was... Was that a funeral or what? And he comes bursting through the door. Because they're all kind of a little bit... I mean, they're still, like, making comments here or there, but Alex comes in... Like, like that's whatever. Tap dancing, yeah. And then he starts talking about, like... You know, oh, it was the best funeral I've ever been to. He's like, the dead have an image problem at one point is an actual quote. Um, and then they, they start talking about, like, the fu- they start, like, reliving the funeral, basically what happened. 
And at one point, they described the fact that Alex asked, brought up in his eulogy, which he was trying to get, like, you know, he's like, praise me for that eulogy. And, uh, he starts talking about how, well, I, mean, I should say before that, we get the first inkling that he's kind of fucked up over this whole death thing, which you'd think should be a fucking, like, obviously that he's gonna be messed up for a friend dying, like, freakly. But, like, he, he says, I was supposed to be in that car, thank god I'm so selfish I didn't want to get in the car with them. Being selfish saved my life. I and think you can tell like, he's, like, manic before then. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, the problem for me, at least having watched this for the first time in earnest, it was like, is this what he's normally like? Because he seems like a, like a lunatic. Cause he's I mean, kind of, but, like, obviously this is in extreme. response. Yeah. yeah. Especially given the <laughs> circumstances. And then he's, like, you know, trying to get some praise for the eulogy, because he at one point brought up the, the, the kid's net worth. And his projected earnings, which is supposed to be like, haha, like Reaganite, haha, like yep. Yeah, but like he's, he's a twenty-one-year-old kid. Their reaction to the death is basically like the reaction you would assume he had because you know he has no soul. That's, he's is. basically acting like his character usually would, but just in response to death. It's but strange. even more so, it's a really strange take because, like, immediately I was—I mean, like, I know what they're—they're they're going for is the fact that it's like, can you believe this guy? But it was just. It felt like, and then the audience like laughed so hard at the the father saying like, "Oh, I don't think you needed to bring up the projected earnings, though." And everyone's like, "Ha ha ha ha!" A child died. Well, I thought that <laughs> like, monk Jesus. like came in on a goat or something. Like he oh, rode there. That was, was nuts. like tied up outside. Oh god! I I, thought, I mean, it was a shitty joke, and then they were like, "Yeah, that's what really happened." Well, no, it was a donkey, I think. Right? I think they were like, yeah. Oh, "Yeah, he was like on a donkey," and I'm like, "In this universe, there's a donkey just like out front." But so, but so when they're when they're going over things, the sister's also not without like reproach either. Because at one point she mentioned, I guess at the funeral, which I guess at the, I don't I guess it was probably a wake or a, or a, um, uh, I don't know a viewing. I don't know what they did. They didn't really describe because there's a lot to a funeral. If you, I mean, most people I would imagine have been to a funeral, unfortunately. But like, there's usually there's the you know you walk into depending upon the what religion you are, it might be a little different. I do we know what religion? The, the Keatons are? I'm guessing yep. it's probably... I don't think they're religious. Are they? Probably not. I don't tell. think I mean, he's so. A monk on speed I think that's something dial, we can so. all agree on, not being religious. Yeah. And so, like, it's a little unclear what kind of religion this Greg would have been, depending upon what the, the circumstances are, but ostensibly, I mean, having been Catholic, I'm imagining it's pretty general Christian, probably. So, if it's anything, he's gonna have a viewing, and then the funeral, and then a wake afterwards. So I'm guessing they're coming home from either the funeral or the wake. And then, so, when the sister mentions that she saw him in the, in the casket, I'm imagining it was the viewing, and she, like, made a comment, the fact that he was wearing, wearing a brown tie with a gray suit, I think is what she said. And then she's like, I wouldn't be caught dead in those colors. And it's like, Jesus Christ. Which, again, it's like, oh, I mean, God, that, it's a sick That mom. one actually, like, is in character without it, like, being over the top the way Alex's is. Yeah, and it's honestly the kind of shit that does, I mean, look, not to be uncouth, but, like, there are certainly plenty of funerals, unfortunately, that I've been to where afterwards there were certain things that went on during the funeral that you're like, can you believe this went down or this happened? Because people are all, like, in a weird place. And some weird shit tends to go down at funerals because everyone's upset. But, like, to do that in front of like, what, what they describe as basically, like, in front of the family, like, it was kind of like, Jesus Christ. And no one really even reprimanded for it. They're just like, oh, that's you being you. And it's like... Because, yeah, she's, she's kind of an airhead, right? Yeah, that's the whole thing. I think so. Yeah, I mean, they come across that way. would not have thought better of it. 
I loved Double Mallory's down. joke about Shirley MacLaine, though. Okay, can you describe what yeah. that meant for me? I didn't understand that joke. Oh, my God. Oh, so I Shirley had to look McClain, it up first time I watched the episode, but... So, Shirley MacLaine, like, fully believes in re- reincarnation and, like, spirituality ah. and um, wrote a book about it. I didn't know that. <laughs> in the that 80s. <laughs> and wow. she's, like, she actually, like, a lot of modern, like, spiritual, like, all the new... Uh, sort of like up and coming crystal stuff and He's whatever. A bunch of books since, by the way, the on the topic. Coming, I love the up and coming crystal stuff. as <laughs> like a religion. That In 2008, amazing. she wrote a book called Saging While Aging. I love Shirley MacLaine. Shirley MacLaine I mean, is the Gwyneth Paltrow of like the relaxed older people. That's like an insult to Shirley MacLaine, though. Yeah. Um, I love Shirley MacLaine and I love Gwyneth Paltrow, so... I'm aware of this, but I... I mean, I know that sounds ridiculous, I can't but also, that I also would probably subscribe to Shoop or something, so... Here, I'm gonna... Get on it, Shirley MacLaine. Shoop? I would yes, I would love subscribe to Shoop. <laughs> but so, like, it, the sister is definitely, like, also out of touch, but I don't think she's as bad as Alex. I mean, Alex is on a different level, because he's, again, still kind of flitting around in a manic state, I mean, without giving too many... Like it's it's hard to it's hard to like diagnose what's going on with him, but he obviously is like fucked up because his friend just died and he's not dealing with it. But again, no one in the family seems to really. I mean, the the parents are supportive because when they leave, he they're like, you know, come on, Alex, like come relax with us, like take take a minute and, and stop being so stressed and manic. But he kind of just blows them off, and it's like, all right. But at the end of the day, though, they kind of don't insist that he like it's they don't do a, a, a I don't know a good enough job of getting him help i guess but i guess they get him to a therapist it's just a little it's hard to say but in the beginning he definitely is like over the top but i th- i feel like that's probably partly because he's such a type a personality they don't really he raised himself so that they're not like super capable of like telling him what to do yeah when he really. starts trying to hug ghosts and such that shit was weird like, the way he was hugging them too it was really weird I didn't like it at all. It made me more uncomfortable. Like, the fact... I was like, okay, I buy that there's a ghost, but I'm way more uncomfortable with the fact that you're hugging him like that multiple times. Because he hugs in such an intense... I mean, that might be just, like, a Michael J. Fox kind of hug. Because I think that's the kind yeah, of I think it is. all the time. Um, where he does that, like... I'll describe it if you haven't seen a Michael J. Fox uh, show or movie recently. But he, like, scoops someone up at full... Like, he comes running at you at full blast, scoops up both arms, and pats you on the back really hard. And then it's just basically, because he's so short, I think it's partly like he's overcompensating for, like, his height or something. It's or maybe really yeah. strange. love, Maura. Well, no. It's the I equivalent mean, of, like, not... a make-out and a rom-com, but it's a hug. Yeah, and it's, I, I actually appreciate it on some level, because I'm like, wow, you're really giving all of your energy to this hug. But also, like, whoa. Like, when it's a ghost, it's a lot more upsetting. Like, and he's, like, doing it in such a way that he's already so manic, it comes across even more, like, frenzied. Whereas if he's doing that on a normal basis, she's like, oh, this guy's a good hugger. But, like, in this, it's like, oh, this guy's... Yes, too he's hugging hugger. a ghost. And yeah. people walk in on him in interactions with ghosts. <laughs> that shit was also real weird! Because I didn't know what the show was going to do. Because there's two ways you go about this. If you it's see just a ghost... A weird, well, it's just a weird TV is. thing in general, because, like, he could, like, subconsciously be having a conversation in his head, but he's having full-blown conversations with this yeah. ghost and that's, that's like, a figment of his imagination. So, like, he, so he needs to be on meds as well as therapy, but they right. don't address that. And it's such a strange choice because, like, 
I, as soon as it happened, I'm like, well, obviously he's having like a like you're saying like a mental break where he's having an imaginary conversation with his friend, or you go the other route where he sees the friend and keeps seeing the friend and he's like, you guys can't see him like that kind of. Sh I mean, I, he must know like it's not normal to see my dead friend in this room, but like, like I I just the the the. The self-reflexiveness to understand that you're seeing a ghost that's not there and still be excited to see him was super creepy. Because it was like he instantly knew he was fucked up and he couldn't admit it. Like, and that made it so much worse. Like, it would have been a lot more, I think, um, it would have been a lot more understandable to me if he had kind of, you know, tried to pretend, well, I guess he does, he tries to pretend he doesn't see him, but like, he barely, uh, it's so strange, <laughs> everything about it is bizarre. <laughs> But so, anyway, so he sees this, this friend show up. After the, the parents are like, you know, you, you kids are crazy. We're going to go upstairs, get changed, and relax. Um, it's just Alex alone in the kitchen. And then his friend Greg just shows up. And they had mentioned earlier that he was a big Cleveland um, baseball fan. So he, of course, shows up wearing a Cleveland hat. Um, and then uh, the mother shares some story, which I think was actually kind of nice. Honestly, like, the one nice part of this episode, besides the, the playing ball with his dad later on. But, like... She mentions that Greg, when he when they were younger, which again is like this friend that's never existed, was like there to like give you gifts when you had a child. So like, why had the show never shown him before? Question mark. But he it shows was up, that's such a uh, it's so, it's out. such bad writing. Yeah, and okay. so the, I guess it was when I think he it's said such, it was when, like seventies, eighties, even nineties writing. Yeah, and I think they even say it. I mean, when yeah, Mallory I, I don't want to call it bad writing. Yeah, I don't yeah. want to call it bad writing specifically because that was very much of the time and just in terms of how they wrote shows, especially sitcoms. Yeah. So I know, it, like, obviously it is so ridiculous that you never saw him before, but... And I think they say it's when Mallory was born, too. It wasn't even like it was when the little kid was born. So I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm like, this is such a long time ago that this kid was a child giving her a Bible. But she says that Greg came over and gave her, the, the mother, uh, Meredith Baxter Bernie, he, he gave her a Bible and said... I don't think you're religious, but if you're going to have to deal with another child while Alex is in the house, I think you're going to need this. Which is, like, a funny, quirky-like thing. But it's, like, that's a weird... Like, he's also as weird as Alex is. I guess that's why they were friends. Because that's a weird gift for a child to give an adult woman who just had a child. <laughs> I, I will funny. say <laughs> about, like, uh, old sitcoms, Growing Pains of all shows actually did the whole, like, dead friend thing well. With uh, Matthew Perry's character, he had yeah. like dated Tracy Gold's character before, and then like uh, he it turned out like he died. I don't remember if his character committed suicide, but yeah, like they did kill his character off, and it was not like oh, never heard about him before. Like we had seen them together, like they dated. Well, and and, and I should say just to get be fair, let's not give a complete cop out to the eighties because this this shit still happens today. Like I still remember watching House. And then randomly killing Cutner off, like that was the worst writing I've ever seen. I mean, it was thanks, like, Obama. <laughs> I would also, writing. I stand by that being bad writing because, like, Cheers. Oh, that is bad writing. But... Oh no, no, for sure. But I'm saying it's, it's not technically like, it's... Obama's fault. <laughs> but it's also not something that's gone away, is what I mean. Because it's, I think it's no, not relegated I, like, to the I 80s. I understand how in the 80s it was good, but like, oh, my, they still had the option of being as good as Cheers. And they passed it by. Or even the Cosby Show. Uh, um, so we are we talking about Cosby Show? You know what? I never talked about Cosby Show before. I don't. I never talked about Cosby Show after watching that damn episode. 
Yeah, I love really that that started this podcast. I never want to talk about. Yeah. Me too, and I love, I love not to not to bring it back to that, but like when when all the shit with Cosby hit, and everyone was like suddenly like going back and watching episodes of Cosby, they're like this show is actually not always great, and I'm like, we've always known. I've only watched that one episode of that show, so to me the Cosby show was all terrible all the time. So, I don't know. <laughs> but um, I always uh, thought it was overrated. Yeah, I never watched it growing up. It was too old fashioned. Oh, but that Fresh was... Prince life. Exactly. I had no. It was like such an old stuffy show to me at the time. It was like Rose. I didn't like Roseanne for the same reason. It looked like a what? show. Okay, I no, was too. No, I was too well, young. No one's listening to you at all. Oh, I'm sorry, but so, you're the same uh, age, so you can't. Hey, you Roseanne was stuffy. It it was just the stuff that people way older than me watched. That's all. I mean, you have enough people who influence you poorly. That's what you go. With. I mean, Are I watched it more like recently. Yeah, I love Frasier. Are you listening to yourself? I was a child, though. You called Roseanne Stuffy, and you love Frasier. But Frasier occurred after Roseanne, though, I thought. I think you hate poor people. No, they aired... If there's nothing else I pride myself on, it's my hatred of poor people. But no, it's it's one of those shows that if you have someone poorly influence you, you'll assume it's a bad show just because they watch it or they don't watch it or whatever. Like, it was one of those shows that happened again poorly. thing to do more of. I know, it's dumb, but I've gone back and watched it since. It's it's a good show. I'm just, it's one of those shows I didn't yeah. watch growing up. <laughs> I watched really weird shit you. growing up, though. We've established that. I watched VIP and Baywatch Nights. <laughs> Trash TV. Trash TV. I watched VIP, like, every week, and I don't understand why, going back to it. Like, that show was awful, but I was, like, a fan of Pamela Anderson, and not the kind of person who's tuning in, like, I gotta watch Pamela Anderson be hot on a different show. It was like, no, I was a fan of hers, and I wanted to watch her act on another show, and I was like, and I love VIP, I don't even You're care, so it was a fucking great show. Why do I do Whatever. this podcast? <laughs> but so, so he, so we're watching this, this, like, breakdown of Alex, like, basically realizing he's seeing a ghost and no one else can see him, and he hugs him in that, like, Michael J. Fox way, and everyone comes back in the room and sees him. Like, hugging air in such an intense way, like, like you know, little kids pretend they're making out with someone with their hands behind their back. It looks ridiculous like that. And there's no way to, to spin it. He clearly is, like, pretending to hug someone, but he tries to pretend it's a dance he's working on, yeah, like, the Keaton Samba. So dumb. But so, everyone clearly is like, uh-oh, something's going on, because he's acting like a lunatic. But they kind of, like, let it go. And then later on, um... It's like such a weird cut from like that scene to him sitting with a monk, and I was like, "Oh, good god!" Also, like Franciscan monks are not making house calls. That's all bullshit. <laughs> Whatever. And so he has this Where Franciscan. He... he flew in, got a donkey in. I forget where family ties is, but like answered a fa- answered a phone call, rode on a donkey. Okay. Yeah. But so he comes in on. I'm well, we hear later on a donkey, but he he's sitting there in the in the the living room. Acting completely uninterested to be there, which is just like you're an adult man, leave the room. Why are you still here? I know he's a monk, so be like, they paid him millions of dollars to be there. That must have been what happened. Nuts. And so he's just sort of sitting there, like, well, this is dumb. But Alex is asking all these questions about, like, what it's like to be a monk. So you're getting the impression that he wants to be a monk. And then Skipper shows up and, like, kind of pushes him on it and says, Why do you want this? Why is this guy here? And it's just. And he's, of course, he's like, well, why are we all here and all that stuff? And he's like, well, I'm here because you called me on the telephone. And the monk's, like, cracking jokes. But, like, at the end of the day, it's just such a weird choice to, like, have Alex be so frantic for... I don't know what... I don't... To be honest, I don't know, maybe you guys have a better take on it. Why does he even call the monk? Why is that in here? 
Um, because I think that he is, they're trying to indicate that he's uh, researching different ways you can look at God and like the afterlife and stuff. Is this it's after he a... talks to Mallory? Yeah. That's... That, yeah, that's why. That's Yeah, that's why he talks to Mallory. And he's like, what it means. I think the episode is supposed to be like what it what it means to be a good person. And like what it means to be like connected to the people around you. And like what it means to be like like what your take on God is. But I believe that that's why the Franciscan monk is there. I'm really impressed that you were able to, like, caulk the cracks and <laughs> making this sound arcane and what does that sound I mean, I mean this episode might be very cloying and very special episode, but, like, it makes sense. Don't, if, if it makes no. sense to you more, that's just because you get confused very easily. I mean, that's See? true. I just was confused of why there was, like, a full-on monk there. Like, I understand seeing, like, a priest or talking to someone about God or, or death or whatever, but there's a difference to me between that and saying, I'm going to become a monk. Like, that's out of nowhere. But it's yeah. like, you know, he could. it's not funny to go to, like, a confession booth. It's funny to bring exactly. in a Franciscan monk. Oh, heavy, heavy quotation marks. <laughs> funny, but yeah. And the parents come home and, of course, see him like, what the fuck's going on here? Like, why is Alex talking to a monk? And he, of course, sees the parents coming home and is like, can you get out of here? And he's like, yeah, it's fine, brother. And so he goes, like, running off um, out of the out of the room, and the parents still have time to question him about, like, writing in, is that your donkey out front? Which I thought was, like, a really shitty joke for the father to say. But then, like, it's supposed to be true. There's an actual donkey out front that the, the, the Franciscan monk wrote in on, which is just... I love how defensive you are of Michael Gross's character just because it's <laughs> Michael Gross. Well, instantly I was like, well, he, would, he shouldn't make a joke like that. That's terrible. <laughs> but it's actually, like, legit. I was more surprised. Like, Jesus, what kind of, like world that we're living in that there's like people riding in on donkeys but um he he of course is just like yeah i, I was looking into you know what it would be like to be a monk so there's also the hilarious joke where the friend comes over and is asking all that stuff and then realizes he may be a monk based on the fact that he doesn't date girls and have sex and talk to people or whatever stupid womp, womp. But, uh, and so um that that again is sort of skirted off to be like okay even though like our son is like calling franciscan monks He's probably okay, so that everyone just lets it go again for a little while to fester. And then at one point, um, later in the episode, Alex is, like, I guess, like, writing or doing homework or something, and then spills juice all over himself and, like, freaks out. He's like, oh, it's not enough. And he, like, he, like, calls out the god in, like, a, like a Jopian-style, like, m- manic, like, how dare you, god, you take my friend and you also make me spill juice all over myself? Which is extreme. And then, of course, Frank really what Blink goes... Adam song was about. That I apple know! juice. That, Dude, that's what I it was. was. Like, I was like, absolutely. I was. It's funny that you said that. I literally thought the same thing. <laughs> but so, uh, so he uh, he shows. The Greg, Greg Ghost shows up again, and he's just hanging around. More frantic hugs. And he's just like, you know, Greg, like, don't go. There's like a weird act out where I think we're supposed to see like the scene where Greg shows up asks him to go for a ride with him, and then Alex says no. And then we watch him basically relive the event before his friend leaves the house and dies in, in a freak accident. Um, and it eventually ends up with, like, Alex, I guess, breaking the, the scene apart and realizing, like, he's reliving it, and then saying, no, don't go, and, like, running out to try and stop Greg from leaving, but he's already gone. And then he just starts just screaming out, like, why am I alive? I shouldn't be alive. I should have been in that car. And then there's, like, screaming out, like, why am I alive? Why am I alive? Like, again and again. 
and the parents come in like, what's happening? And they're like giving him hugs and like, it's okay, we're gonna get you help. And then we cut to him with the therapist. And this is where I feel like the episode- Get a production of Our Town. (laughs) Yes! I stole that joke from an AV Club article I read, but it's so It's it's what it is though. It really reminds me so much of it too, because Our Town has all those moments where it's like funny in parts, but also like crazy dark. So it's it's very much like they were trying for something like that. And I I will say it's probably one of the first times that kind of stuff was put on TV that since like, you know, maybe like the honeymooners or something. Like it was a very uh it's a weird departure from 80 sitcoms at the time, I would say. Um and then so he's sitting in a chair and it's in an all it's a um it's like a pitch black room. Yeah, like just, black box cinema. Black box cinema, really really like basic props of like a again like a, a play just a framed window behind him and in this big leather chair and then there's you know a couple of other stage props of the the, the uh, psychiatrist's uh, diplomas on the wall but basically just Michael J. Fox alone emoting um, and then they kind of break down what Alex P. Keaton is which is I mean he was a very popular character of the 80s so I feel like this is probably like a huge like, this is kind of a set piece for the show itself. Like, it kind of was like, let's talk about the actual tropes of Alex. Because they kind of get right to it where he's he talks about how he's majoring in business and finance in college. Which means he's basically majoring in money. And he's always loved money. And there's like a weird, there's a weird uh, choice where he has the ability since a young age to identify what, what, was it, what like, um, types of coins someone's dropping into a bucket based oh, yeah on he can tell like the denomination of a coin just by the sound of it and then the, the psychiatrist attempts to do that and he, he nails it it's, it's yeah that's like i'm pretty sure like anyone who knows anything about family ties like, like that's the one like defining characteristic about him basically he loves money. yeah and he's like and that, specifically that he knows like he can tell what coin it is that's nuts and so he he's very very like you know Again, still kind of type A in this situation where he's sort of just, you know, well, this is my life. This is what I decided to do. And um, he starts flashing back to moments of his childhood, specifically seven-year-old Alex at first, where he had, like, I think, like, several nights of not sleeping the full night. And his mother's, like, trying to tell him to sleep. I'm like, Jesus. Just give the kid a Benadryl. It's the 80s. No one gives a shit. You just sleep Oh, my liquor. God. I mean, Benadryl is cocaine. Yeah, I mean, not like you want that to be the, the go-to, but I'm just surprised that, like, a child in the 80s was, like, okay to stay up at night. Like, well, my parents would just be like, you're going to bed, shut the fuck up. But the mother's, like, you know, very, like, oh, no, Alex, you should go to sleep, sleep sleep more than 20, 20 minutes a night. And he's well, like, she's oh. a hippie. Exactly. I and mean, so, maybe therapy years ago is really what this episode's probably I know. I mean, it really is kind of, like, you know... Well, in parts, I guess, but it really is, a lot of it is, I guess, sort of showing people what it's like to have therapy. I mean, this is before, like I mentioned before, in treatment. There must have been other therapy sessions shown in in TV before. I know certainly movies there had been, but, like, it was probably pretty rare for some people to watch a therapy session, which got to the bottom of actual demons. So, I mean, that's why I think it helped a lot of people watch it, like, especially as children, to see someone, like, being self-reflexive, it's like a good thing. So I don't, that part of it I didn't mind. It was just, it was such a strange, well, we'll get to it. Um, and then he has these flashbacks um, as as young Alex. So when when we when I say as a flashback, it literally is like, you know, cut to him in the kitchen with his mother and he's a seven-year-old. 
and it's still being played by Michael J. Fox, and he's not really, like, you know, he's not hamming it up too much, like, he, he's not talking like an actual child, he's just talking in, like, the phrasing of a child, so... Thank God we don't have to watch him do, like, a baby voice. That would have been horrifying. But he does, like, talk like a seven-year-old would talk, which is just sort of like, uh, like, well, of course, the seven-year-old Alex B. Keaton is not really an average seven-year-old. But his friend, I think it's Skippy or Skipper, shows up in his, like, full Boy Scout uniform, even though he's also, like, a 20-year-old um, in, the, in the show. And the mother's like, well, how many hours of sleep did you get, Skippy? And he's like, I got 19 hours. It's like, Skippy is living the goddamn life. And he's just like, oh, I'm, I'm not worried about... problems. Well, true. But he's also not worrying about Watergate in the way that Alex is at the time. Which, I, again, it's like, a, what seven-year-old would have been worrying about Watergate? I mean... A sociopath who needed therapy a long time ago. Exactly. Intervene. It's okay to intervene, hippies. But so, uh, they, um... He, he knocks the therapist at one point for also being underqualified, even though he's acting like a god. Um... At the time, it, it's a little unclear, but I guess he is. We don't. Grant College is an actual college. So the way he like, you know, shits on Grant College, it was a little. I thought at first he's like, oh, Grant College, and then it turns out like, oh no, he was shitting on it. It was a bad school. But um, the sister. Wait, is Grant also, College is real? No, no, no. I don't think so. But he. he oh, okay. Because I was like, there's no real. way they could have cleared that. Well, he says, like, I didn't think you were worth your salt as a therapist. I'm paraphrasing, but he says that kind of stuff. And then he's like, until I saw it, he's like, oh, you actually went to Grand College, huh? And I thought that meant that, like, wow, he's like a Yaley or something, where it's like, I trust your judgment now. But later on, he gives sh- he gives it shit because he says it's where they, there's a course on, on opening umbrellas, so. It's where Mallory goes, so it's, like, really. Oh, I get you. All right. Well, so, again, that probably would have helped for me to have seen the show before. I'm like, ah. So, he, he does. more, uh. Do your goddamn job. I just assumed because it was Grant College, it was just a fake college in general. But um, I didn't realize she went there. It is, he, but it's like Mallory, who's an idiot, goes there. Aw. Um, but so he, he, again, is talking to, well, he, he goes into another room, and it's like another flashback. And his sister's getting dressed for a date with Greg. And this is like, again, I think this is where it kind of gets weird. Like, it's already been weird up until this point, but this is the, the part where it's, it truly departs into like a full-on, like, weird play which is like an interpretation of like emotions because the sister's talking about how she's having a date with Greg and he's like Greg you can't date why would you go on a date with Greg he's dead and she's like everyone comes back and this is where that Shirley MacLaine joke was where she just sort of like well no everyone comes back no one dies silly and it's like it's hard to describe exactly why it's annoying to watch but I just find it so pretentious in a way i mean maybe that's not what they're going for because it was probably not really it was actually just that everyone was making fun of shirley mcclane in the 80s and like mallory is so dumb that they like wanted to be a part of making fun of shirley mcclane in the 80s and it's just and then they literally get into like the multiple lives um theory of it all where everyone's like living living through their life again in order to correct the mistakes of their past lives which is i guess is basically like they're going into buddhism uh, but it's just, they're not phrasing it in the way where you would assume someone is, like, you know, reaching out for, you know, emotional aid. They're talking about it in this way where it's just sort of, I mentioned before, like, a high school play. It just, it comes across, like, a bunch of, like, emo teenagers. And they're like, oh, well, everyone, everyone comes back. Like, all that kind of, and it's just, I think it, it, it definitely ages poorly. Because I'm sure at the time this is a lot more... New. Well, I but did watch order staging while aging while we were recording this podcast. Oh my so, god. So 
sounded better than I thought. But I love Charlie McLean. But so he he wants to relive his multiple lives in order to correct the error of, like, the Nixon tapes, um, like, Warren Dixon of the tapes getting out. So, like, he's still making jokes about it, but it's certainly, they're trying to, like, shepherd him into, like, you know, God or some version of, like, solace over his friend's death. And I get it, but it's just, it comes across so pretentious. Like, it's like if someone read a, like a, I mean, they mentioned Kierkegaard later. It's like someone read a Kierkegaard uh, book in their, like, freshman year of college and then wrote a play about it. That's kind of what this episode feels like. But so he, um, he's talking to his sister about it and she just is like, you know, relax. And then, um, he, he starts to go into why he's having such a hard time with this and, like, how he's had such a hard time with his whole life. And it's a little bit, um... You know, a little bit, you know, him being a little whiny, to be honest. Just sort of like, uh. But then you kind of get into, like, the more intense, like, character motivation, I guess. Where he was talking about how he has to be smarter and better than everyone. Because everyone's jealous of him. And it's too much pressure for, like, a child to have. And I kind of get that. I mean, I almost, I mean, I think a lot of people probably who are creative would relate to the fact that, like, if they're young and inventive or young and, and a good teacher's like a, a teacher's pet essentially is what he is he was kind of like idolized in the classroom and I guess at home too but mostly in the classroom where everyone kind of treated him like shit because he was the only one that would answer the questions or he would just force his way to answer the questions and then he would not play with the kids at, at school and this kind of feels like well why are we literally getting into like the weeds of Alex P. Keaton's like neuroses but like you find out quickly it's because in that same classroom is where he met Greg so that's kind of where I think it's supposed to be like it all comes in. but again like I feel like this would be a much more intense and it land a lot better if Greg was an actual character on the show and not just a random person they invented for this one episode so he literally like you get to see him meeting Greg for the first time and it's this big deal but it's like the show has never even mentioned him before so, like, it's so crazy it comes across even more bizarre to me because I'm like I'm watching this like this would be a lot more, like, emotional if this is an actual main character that died. And you're watching the first time, like, you know, you meet Winnie Cooper or something like, you know, intense like that. Like, oh my god, they died. Like, it, it's part of why I always <clears> go <throat> back to it. And it's, a, it's a big trope of, like, especially, like, you know, 90s kids get. But, like, seeing Macaulay Culkin die in My Girl fucked our entire generation up. Because that was a child already dying in a tragic way. And I feel like this is what the episode was trying for, is like a My Girl style, oh my god, can you believe this child died? But like, you didn't- You don't know this child. Well, <laughs> true. But like, it was- Yeah, it's not sad, because he's 20, LaToya. <laughs> <laughs> but also, but we like, have no idea he is, he doesn't exist. That's what, well, but the thing is, neither did Macaulay Culkin in that movie, but he actually was a main character that died. Like, you have to build up that No, I meant doesn't exist as, ne- as never, like, appeared or was ever spoken oh, of before. yeah, yeah. They're, so they're he... fictional characters, Maura. I'm aware of this. <laughs> I was like, Latoya, you do know this is... <laughs> God, I'd be the worst person. But, like, it, it, it comes across like, you haven't earned this. Like, what are you talking about? Like, look, okay, yes, it's a nice emotional moment where he meets Greg for the first time, and they're talking about, like the way the mittens smell on the radiator in, in Mrs. Clark or whoever's classroom, fine. But, like, it doesn't land as well because you're, like, watching. It feels like someone's, again, I mentioned the pretension of, like, a, a high school play or a college play. It's, like, someone's trying to or get you Or Roseanne. Or Roseanne, of course. But, like, it's, like, someone's trying to get you upset. So they're just going right for the emotional, like, oh, when they first met, can you believe? Like, it's very, 
trite. I feel like it's very much like, you know, here, here's the, here's the strings we can pull to make everybody upset. And they try and they, I mean, I guess it works, but you know, it's, but so earlier in the, in the, in the episode, they also, in the other flashbacks, he's having like a hard time dealing with the fact that like, uh, he was the teacher's pet and he's like, like, again, just to give you an idea of how awful some of the, the dialogue and, and reactions were, he's like, the teacher's calling on him to tell him how, I think it was how Columbus found the Americas. And she's like, tell, tell the class, Alex. And Alex like stands up and he's like, well, he, he was trying to go to the West Indies and it was an accident. And he's, and he accidentally ran into the Americas. It was an accident. It was an accident. It was an accident. And he like storms out of the scene where he's rehashing that to the front of the class. And he's screaming about his friend dying in an accident. Like, that is some shit, like, again, it's such a shitty, like, play level. Like, what am I watching? One could call it bad writing. <laughs> capital B, capital W. But so, uh, and again, the only scene I think that actually, that coming up now, was was a scene where the father and him play catch. I don't think it's because I was, like, you know, Michael Gross heavy, but it was just, it actually <laughs> felt actually sad. Like, there, there was a moment where he's talking about how his father is strong in a way he didn't realize. And I think the reason why I like this scene the most, and then there's another scene a little bit later on with the mother is pretty good too, but like this lands better than the rest of this like weird bullshit is because it's an actual emotional beat with a character who's been on the show the whole time. And if this is the kind of stuff they were doing with this, this Greg person and he was the main character, it would have been a lot more emotional because they're talking Even about just a real a fucking recurring character. character or a character show up twice. Yes. Who showed up at least once. And in fact, you're saying that now, it reminds me of something like How I Met Your Mother, which is, again, a show we've certainly picked apart in, in many areas. But I think one of the highlights of that show was the dealing with Marshall's father's sudden and emotional death. That was a character that had been on the show, what, maybe maybe five times? Maybe. And it was traumatic. Like, it was horrifying to watch. It was great. Because you're watching the characters talk about someone who's clearly a main staple in their life, and you've seen at least elements of that that don't when you see an element of someone who's tragically died the reason why it's so tragic when you're watching it is because you've seen them in moments where they weren't dealing with the death and interacting with that person because then you can feel like it's almost like you lost that character too but when the only interaction you have with this character greg is him as a ghost and dead and it has funeral it's not really emotional because they've been dead the whole time you've known them like there's no you don't have any other you know I don't know another version of Greg besides this, like, weird, quirky ghost with a Cleveland hat. So, like, it's it's so trite to just kind of shove it down our throat. But in the scenes with the father, that's why they, like, I think they contrast it so differently, is that he's talking about his father in a way that's really... I think, I, to be honest, I was like, oh, this is if this was the whole episode, I would have been, like, crying. Because, like, it was sad when he's talking about how his father... Like, he's, he, he's... It's very much like a therapy session where you talk about the fact that, like, he mentioned something about his father being, you know, oh, his father wants to play catch with them, and he's like, oh, I don't want to. You know, he's like, the father's like, you don't have to be perfect. You have to learn how to do some things. Even if you're not perfect at playing catch, you'll learn how to play catch. And then the, the way he says it to the therapist, the therapist is like, do you think your father's weak? And he's like, well, I used to. He's like, I'm ashamed that I didn't see a strength in the fact that he was so open and kind and, and liberal, essentially, what they're trying to go through. Like, the opposite of me. I used to consider that a weakness, and now that I'm older, I realize it's a strength. And that's really emotional. But then it veers right off of that to, like, a sister, and he's, like, cracking jokes about Kierkegaard. So it's, like, it, it it gets close to being actually, like, good, but then it goes right back to being cloying and, like, pretentious again. It's, like, ugh. But the, the sister, um, that is Justine Bateman, right? 
Or yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so strange because she doesn't look like Justine Bateman at all in my head. <laughs> I'm like, what is this? But it's a young Justine Bateman um, who's, from what I've researched as a show, is like the tomboy of the two of them or no? Everyone describes her as a tomboy. I didn't really get that vibe. No, the other the teenage sister is a tomboy. Yeah. But she was the one that was talking about... Oh my god, I, I it was... I thought the... Isn't she the blonde? Who's the blonde then? The blonde is the tomboy. The blonde is the tomboy, yeah. Oh, I was right. Okay, good. So that makes the sense. Brunette the brunette is Justine Bateman. Were you that thinking was you were the blonde was Justine Bateman? That's what no. was throwing me the fuck off, man! Wait, what? Like, what the what? fuck am I What? What? One of them looks exactly like Jason Bateman, and one of them looks completely different. Look, man, I'm not going to say that I don't agree with you. That's why I was so confused. I think I watched, I, I, I read an article. That missed... What are you talking about? She looks exactly like herself. She's younger. That's because you just, who did you think that the brunette was then if you didn't realize that was Justine Bateman? I don't know. I didn't watch this show before, so I just assumed it was another random child from the 80s. You're terrible. The face blindness has been taken to a different level, guys. I don't recognize people I literally know from everyday episodes of other TV shows. It's bad. Your face blindness has gotten out of control. That's so crazy that you Justine Bateman looks like today and you thought that Tina Yonkers was... Sorry, it's the others. It's the others. <laughs> no, no, it's I'm only referring her to Tina Youngers for the rest of my life. But, <laughs> now you understand my confusion when I'm saying that you're like, Gibar, it looks just like her. I'm like, but it doesn't. It's like, yeah. So Tina Youngers is the is the one that's the tomboy, which is why I was confused because in in some of I think I, what, I must have read an article that listed them reverse, and that was what was confusing me because it was saying the tomboy was Tina Youngers. I think. No, there is no way. Alice was never a top boy. She was always like the fashiony airhead. Well, she kept mentioning fashion. I was so confused by that. But anyway, whatever the case, I think it was just mislabeled. Through the computer. Oh, so so they're they're talking about um how she's the tomboy and but likes Van Halen but reads Kierkegaard because she's just so no one gets her man. She's weird, emotional, uh, and so like. That's another moment where I feel like you're supposed to be like, wow, they're really connecting. And I felt like it was completely important. Like, that whole scene was bleh. It was just him talking to his sister being annoying. Then he goes back and we had that flashback. I mean, do you guys have any other... I mean, that's my impression of that scene. It was like him talking to his sister, just kind of shooting the shit. It was not very... I just want to know how you mix up the actresses and characters. <laughs> I truly think I read something that had them reverse. But I was just... It was like my brain wasn't... I don't know. I'm also now looking at IMDb to see, like, everything that you've seen Justine Bateman in. Everything. I mean, I fucking, I watched her almost nail Jason Bateman in Arrested Development. I definitely know who Justine Bateman is. Who hasn't? That's not yeah. special. You're, you're not niche just... for saying that. Yeah, I've watched this little nun show called Arrested Development. No, I know, I know who Justine Bateman <laughs> Maybe is. Maybe you've never heard of it, but I have. <laughs> God damn it. I'm never gonna let that down. That um, is so... nuts. Like, but just, because, like, Mallory is just in that whole episode being, being Justine just Bateman. <laughs> and then you... <laughs> Look, man, the further I get away from it, the more, the less sense it makes, okay? It's like I was dropped into the deep end, and 
someone's like, keeps on it, and I'm like, it's been three hours, I can't do this anymore, and they're like, just keeps on it. But so, so he just sit there and they like. They just don't look like it all. Uh, I don't but, look up present day teeny other. Yep. I don't know her real name. I don't know teeny others anymore. Yep. Yonkers, yeah. Teeny Yonkers. Other. Right. Oh well, God. I was yeah. never interested in Teeny Yonkers, but no, I just. Why? No. She seems nice, but Justine Bateman was so much more magnetic. I also I really know. like Meredith Baxter, and I feel like they never gave her enough comedic. What? No, I think the problem is when I looked up Teeny Others, she had she has black hair now, and that threw me off. He still doesn't look like Justine Bateman. I mean, whereas you're Justin not. You're Bateman not wrong. Does. I am fully in the wrong here. <laughs> I don't know how I sleep at night, guys, but I do. <laughs> Nineteen hours, and I don't give a shit about Watergate. But so, uh, so they they talk about like you know, Kierkegaard and her being weird, and then we gotta get the flashback to to Greg meeting him in class for the first time, and like this is the first time where you're actually kind of like, oh. I get why he's upset Greg died, but you think that they would kind of lay the groundwork for this earlier, because you basically spent an entire episode with a character that died tragically, and you're supposed to be upset over it, and he's just a random name. Like, you've never, I mean, you meet him in this, this like, ghost scenes where he's, like, a a half a minute long where he's just, like, smiling, but, like, he's a stranger, and suddenly you're like, oh, I get why he's upset he died, but it just, again, it's so much more about Alex, and it just, I just, it, it's, I think it's a bigger trope of, like, sometimes it's really frustrating when people, in general, make someone else's grief all about them. In this case, it's legitimate grief because it's his friend that died and he was supposed to be in the car. There's a lot of real stuff there. But I feel like it just sort of comes across like he's acting like a stranger who's just like, you know, oh, everything about my life is what's really... And, and like Latoya's been saying, he basically just should have been in therapy his whole life. It's <laughs> basically the end of the day, because... Most of this could have, I wouldn't say be solved, but been addressed a lot earlier in his life if he'd just seen somebody, um, a specialist to talk to him about the fact that, like, you don't have to be the hero. You don't have to save the day. Um, I also like the premise of liberal parents not explaining to their child why Reagan is, like, literally Satan. <laughs> is it? <insane. laughs> it you it's know like, what, though? Could but if they taught their child about empathy and compassion, and which I is, wanna... is the fact that he couldn't understand that, again, therapy. And I want to say, as someone who grew up with two, it's like the reverse of this, almost, where I grew up with two parents who were Reaganites, like, I think, essentially. Um, I grew up loving Reagan because I was a child and didn't understand anything that he did, and I liked him. I remember, I oh, truly, boy. no, it's worth saying because it's hilariously stupid. I remember literally saying to someone when I was younger, someone asked me, why do you like Reagan the most? And I said, because he's old. And I thought that was so funny because it's adorable that he's an old person. Like, it was not a lot of logic there, but when you're not educating your children on what's going on in the world, they're going to just either parrot your beliefs or uh, revolt and try and do the opposite. And I guess that's what Alex was doing. Although, like, you'd think that if he was going to be the exact opposite of them in such an intense way, they'd be a lot more hippie-ish, but they're kind of just, like, middle of the road. I mean, I didn't watch the show, I don't know. But they don't you clearly know they're very middle of the road. Yeah. But it, you would expect it to be like, like, he was fucking like the child of like Grace and Frankie's, uh, Frankie. Like it was. Oh my God. I love that's Grace the and vibe Frankie. I would want. Like I would want a, a child to be the opposite of that. That makes sense if they're like super, super I mean, honestly, in terms of their children, the only one who turned out okay is Jennifer, Tina Yothers. 
Because, yeah. you well, know, seems... Mallory's an idiot. But wait, which one uh, is Teeny Others? <laughs> the blonde one too with soon. the big nose. Hashtag too soon. Ooh, nice. Um, but so, they, they they kind of just sort of, like, tap dance around the fact that this is all about his own trauma of, like, not being properly educated on how to be in... Like, I, I think he just took on way too much pressure and way too much um, responsibility for a child... And they kind of let it happen. And, and like, the, the whole joke of the show is that it's, like, isn't it funny that, it's like, a two-year-old, or not two-year-old, but, like, second graders listening to Reagan tapes, or Nixon tapes. It's, that's funny, but also, like, that's kind of fucked up. But that'll mess Are you saying you listen to Reagan tapes? Is that what that Freudian oh, slip no. was? No, no. I mean, I just, I, I think I understand, like, the, a child not knowing enough about Reagan's policies to think. Oh, I think I like that Iran Contra too. was going on in the fifth season of Family Ties. Like, I just can't believe how irresponsible this is. <laughs> Truly, I mean, he would, I would love an episode where he has to deal with the fact that he's conservative, even though he hates the the conservative, uh, like um, establishment. That's way more interesting. But I guess it was like way before its time. Because I mean, there are certainly people who have different beliefs than I do. I don't like begrudge him of that. But like, it's just sort of hard to watch someone be so pro awfulness at the time. Because like you're saying, I ran contra is no joke. Like a lot of this stuff was fucked up, and he's like again trying to figure out a way to relive his, his past life in order to warn Reagan of the they're like they're literally like closing out Iran Contra in 87 which is when this was that's crazy and if he wants to go back and waste his, his reliving his life on helping Nixon get away with on the, the Nixon crime, tapes it's great it's not like again it's not one to of be talking where... about the Nixon tapes when <laughs> Iran Contra is going on is so crazy and also to be so, like, unabashedly pro-Nixon, even, at the time. I feel like everyone I do that, that's a Republican, even now, is just like, yeah, we, like, didn't give a shit about Nixon the minute he, like, was just known for being a criminal. I mean, I mean, I actually prefer Nixon to him. Reagan. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, he was, I guess, at least more upfront about the fact that he was a criminal. <laughs> but also, uh, like, his policies were less damaging to the fabric of the United States. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Just so you guys know, so this is a, an episode of season five. Alex doesn't learn about racism until season seven. Uh, well, that explains it. I mean, he in a two-part know. episode, of course. I mean, when you don't know, what's the what? It can't be his fault. I mean, Jesus that's the final this, season. How do, you, how do you? I mean, I know it's a shitty like, like oh yeah, let me let me like be a white person and say how do you not know about racism? But like, let I'm me sure please read the of white the, people don't know about racism. Of, let me please read the description of part one of please. All in the Neighborhood. When a long-time African-American co-worker of Stevens moves into the neighborhood with his family, tensions rise over the fear of falling property and home values. Things come to now, a boil when the new neighbor's home is vandalized. Now, does you mean long-term like he's been a, a co-worker for a long time, or he's been black a long time? Like, that's <laughs> such a poorly phrased sentence. Like, in both, general, like... We both. <laughs> we both. But, like, how horrible the phrase it, like... Why would a black person moving into your neighborhood literally cause property values to start dropping? That actually, like, I don't know how they... I know a white white flight is legit, but, like... No, but, like, that that would be, like, multiple black... Like, for this one random dude to, like, cause an entire... Oh, I can already imagine a about, like, how... I can imagine a line where they're like, well, one comes in that's only going to bring more in. People are awful. And that's, a, that's actually like a semi-realistic, probably, episode of Family Ties. Have you not seen the uh, music video for P. Diddy's Bad Boy for Life, where they move um, into the white neighborhood? This are, 
you're about to hear probably one of the whitest things I've ever said. Oh my I god. I presented a college paper on <laughs> PDDs. <laughs> it's bad. It's fucking bad, guys. <laughs> we had to pick a music video and discuss it, so I picked that video because it's a fucking iconic piece of, like, culture, so whatever. But yeah, I definitely know the video you're talking about, and I can probably go, <laughs> oh my like, god. break it down by the second. Oh, Jesus. I, I took a uh, class on white flight. Which <laughs> <laughs> is another super... Are you serious? Are you joking? Are you really no, serious? I'm, it was called American Suburbia, but it was about Oh my flight. god, we're the whitest fucking people. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> this is my liberal arts white. education. God I mean, it was that it was bad, obviously. I mean, I, I'll stand by it. That, that that music video is iconic. I was proud to present yeah, it to music everybody. video, but that doesn't make... You better. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, I will say I was I was proud to present it among the other people. The other music videos people picked were awful. It was like one person picked like Pink's like pill, that jagged little pill or whatever. I'm like, this is just terrible. Like a pill. Well, there's a landed more set. set. No, I know. <laughs> just like a pill. That's what I meant. Yeah, but it was uh, that music video was rough. I didn't love it, but uh, anyway, so it it's certainly like I get where. The parents are probably also not perfect, but it just seems like they didn't really intervene early enough to, to help him in a way that he could have probably been helped a little more. I mean, like, it's, again, it's kind of a shitty thing to have to be, like, this poor white dude in a suburb, he had such a hard life of taking on too much responsibility at a young age. But, like, it's a, re it's a reasonable thing to say. Like, people get fucked up from stuff when they're young and they don't realize it because it's probably not even a bad thing. Like, I I've been that way. If you're a type A person and you're very, like, proactive, you can take on too much responsibility and not realize it's a problem because it's something that's championed. As, like, I think it's very interesting to have the teacher be kind of, like, egging him on to be, like, the again, like a teacher's pet or brown nose because it's very realistic. Like, teacher, it would help her job and make it easier if she had a student that would be, like, you know, a star student. And it probably doesn't look bad on paper because she's trying to help him be a better student and, like, advance his career and, like, you know, be more um, studious and stuff. So it wouldn't necessarily be seen as a bad thing to be that, you know, adult acting when you're a child. But, like, when you're an adult, eventually, you realize, like, oh, these are the kind of things that, like, mess me up as a child that I didn't realize until it started, like, fester more as an adult. Like, it, it's less quirky. It's more truly harmful. Especially when it comes to, like, dealing with grief, for example. It makes him very difficult to have to deal with the fact that he couldn't stop something or make something, um better because i think he he hasn't dealt with a lot of hardships in his life and i think it's pretty common for a lot of two, uh white people in general and, and white people in suburbs and white dudes in suburbs like he is truly probably dealing with the first time he's had to admit failure in stopping his friend from being killed now I, i've certainly liked other shows that have done this more successfully so it's not necessarily a problem to go into the emotional like depth of why a character is fucked up but I think that it's Yeah, Grey's Anatomy pulled it up incredibly this season. I mean, this season, every season. And I even mentioned John Carter before. I think that's another show that pulled it off pretty well. I think ER had a character fuck up extremely large, and it was as much his fault as it wasn't, because it's what addiction is. It's like, a, it, it's a disease. And I think that was interesting to make a really, like, uptight, like, uh, Goody Two-Shoes character, not just, like, an addict, like, a full-on addict to the point where he had to be, like, forcibly, um, put into a therapy so like, I, I think it, or, or uh, in a rehab but like I, I think that this is one of those things where it, it, it there's a lot of like what we're talking about is really interesting but also like doesn't necessarily come across in the episode like it's sort of just hinted at like 
oh yes, he's dealt with these emotions through, like, talking about his, his childhood with his mother and his father, but he's not actually, like, openly discussing why it matters. They're just kind of leaving it, it's, again, very, like, high school, college play, where they're just, like, leaving it all out on the floor, and you have to, like, interpret it however you want to interpret it. Um, I feel like they told you how to interpret it. I mean, I, well, I agree. I mean, it was- In a very ham-fisted, crazy way. Right, but I, I do think that it probably could have explained why it was actually a good thing he went to a therapist more clearly. That oh, was, sure. It was more just like, take this as you will, because they were still making jokes about the therapist at like minute 35, and I'm like, look, can we just say like it's a good, and it really is very an abrupt ending, which I thought was a little, I mean, it's for shock value, but it didn't really land the reason why all this even happened, because it just sort of comes across as just sort of an afterthought. Um, but again, it's probably, again, pretty new to end an episode mid-sentence, basically, or mid, mid-thought. Uh, but so, uh, we have another flashback to when he was out- I mean, it's, it's unclear exactly what happened, but he just says he, he wants to be, like, babied. So as a child, he, like, learned how to manipulate his mother into getting cookies and hot chocolate. And oh, I yeah, that was like, super weird. And he, like, looks at the camera at one point and, like, smiles all creepy, like, I'm gonna get, like, hot chocolate and whipped cream. Yeah. And, like, as much as this is, like, funny, like, aha, kid's manipulating his mother- First of all, everybody knows how to do that. Everyone's, anyone who's, like, a decent, like, has any kind of ability to lie has been able to manipulate somebody into getting, like, taken care of when they're sick. That's pretty common. But secondly, like, he was a child. He's describing what children do. I mean, it's not really, like, something unique yeah. or, or rare. In fact, it's actually... he. I think the annoying part of that, to me, was that it was sort of like him saying, I got one up on my mother. And it's like, no, his mother probably realized... He's just a little kid who wants cookies and whipped cream on his hot chocolate, and that's okay, too. Yeah. That was, like, one of the... It was, like, one of the most normal things he's done, but his yeah. his thinking, like, uh, as a result of it, not so much. It's kind of... To- it kind of came across with that toxic masculinity kind of thing, where it's like, I need to be able to manipulate a way into having... Be- to manipulate someone. I'm like, you could just openly say, I want cookies and hot chocolate. Maybe the mom will say no, but... You're a child. It's pretty much just... I actually think that the mom didn't know because Mallory's not able to do it. So they're trying to say that... that, And also Elise is pretty dumb throughout the show. I mean, (laughs) I I think you're probably right, too. I don't think she knew either, but, like, I think... Which is, like, so dumb. No, I agree. But, like, it's just sort of to say, like, you have to lie in order to get to be cared for is probably part of the toxic element of his version of, like, the only way for me to ask for help and care is to manipulate someone into doing it. So I'm still got my one up on top of them. It's uh, very much just like, I, it's not a good way of going. I mean, I, I'll say that to the audience listening, anybody who ever has done that, certainly it feels good sometimes to, to trick someone into getting your way, but you'd be surprised if you actually say, I feel terrible. Can you just do this for me? Maybe they'll say no, but like, is this a no very difference. special episode to tell them where you're trying to instruct people on the moral way to live? Uh, I mean, I really First like the Reagan, now this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so, he gets her to give him cookies, um, and of course he's like sn- like sneering at the camera the whole time, like, really creepily. And, uh, <laughs> th- alright, this is where I would have to defer to you guys, because I, don't, again, didn't watch the show. Who the fuck is Nick, and what the hell was going on with everything in that scene? Is he a regular on the show, like a recurring, or no? That like rock rock guy? Yeah, he was recurring. Yeah, right? he's recurring. Okay. So yeah, he's her boyfriend. It? I forgot. Oh Jesus, that's her boyfriend. He seems like an adult man. What are you talking about? I don't. Is he? Ooh. He's Mallory's boyfriend. 
don't remember that. Uh, I'm gonna double check. I assumed he was like an uncle or something, <laughs> or like a neighbor. He looked like he was like a 40 year old man, but maybe it's just he's not aged well. I thought he was character. like a classmate of Alex's. That's even more ridiculous than he looks like a 45 year old man. But he was again, a backdoor pilot for the Nick character, apparently. Was it? Wait, Called what? The Art of Being Nick. Oh, Jesus. What? Yes. You can even watch this now. <laughs> that sounds horrifying. Was it like an actual. Yeah, it's Mallory's like... boyfriend. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, really? I did not remember that. Did I misinterpret that? Didn't he look really old? I mean, it was the 80s. Everyone looked old. Is that maybe what I'm thinking? It looked like he was double her age. Oof. I he mean, looked, okay. Mallory looks pretty old. I mean, you're right. You're if you could right. tell which one's Mallory, that is. Right, Maura? <laughs> well, is she the blonde or the, or the brunette? I, I can't remember. But he, he reminds me of, like... Oh, my God. I mean... Wait, are, you're not... You're kidding, right? I'm joking. I'm absolutely joking, guys. Teeny <laughs> Others is the blonde. Uh, but so, he reminds me, I mean, of other things. I'll kill you! <laughs> I love how you're just, like, instantly just, like, furious. <laughs> I'm just making a joke. It's just a joke. No, um, but so, he, the, the character of Nick, I'm not familiar with, but he comes across, like, I don't even know what they're, oh, I mean. I, I'm sorry, I had to talk about the art of being Nick. Uh, spinoff, oh, please, which please uh, also star Julia Louis Dreyfus. <laughs> what? What? Summers herself, Christine Sutherland. What? What? Yes. What the fuck? Some girl named Rachel. Some girl named. Rachel. Oh my god. Julia Dreyfus is some girl named Rachel. I mean, what if Christine Sutherland was his sister? What if was this show, show even about? Hit, Julia Louis Dreyfus wouldn't have been on Seinfeld. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're fucking probably that's, oh, you're here, right. That's here. the right time. I can't really tell you. I can't really tell you what it's about because there are layers to this. So, due to the popularity of the Nick Moore character, three versions of a spinoff were produced. In the first incarnation, three? titled "Taken at Home," Nick returns to Detroit to live with his sister and grandfather after uh uh. So it's put by Herschel Bernardi. After Bernardi's death in May 1986, the series is canceled. The second version features Nick working in the daycare center for juvenile delinquents. In the final version, Nick, his sister, Christine Sutherland, and her son, John Damon, live together in an East Village apartment with Nick working in a bookstore. The Art of Being Nick aired on August 27, 1987. Despite cigar celebrating, NBC didn't pick up the series, reportedly due to the network's reluctance to lose the popular Nick character from Family Ties. So basically so because they didn't, because they didn't want it to spin off instead of, and just like have him show up sometimes on Family Ties, they they killed it. They killed what would have been a successful show. That's unbelievable. I mean, I have to. I I hope we can find an episode of that. If that's insane. Out. That is truly yeah, that's it's actually shocking. Wow. Well, guys, stay tuned for that. But like, he comes across like a Nash Ricky style lunatic. Like he's not the kind of person you'd base a whole show around. He's just like a he's a weirdo, right? Or I he's see an not. image of Nick and Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah, this is on YouTube and Daily Motion. Yeah, so you know. Julia Louis Dreyfus looks rush. exactly the same as she looks in Seinfeld in this. She has not aged at all. It's amazing. It's basically just different hairstyles. It's it's uncanny how how good she looks for her age. But like. I cannot imagine if you had told me any of these characters had a spinoff, the fucking character Nick would be the last person I would have guessed. <laughs> Who wants to 
again, and I'm not even sure who Nick great, was. But he didn't want to lose Nick was so ties. popular Nick. that he Nick. couldn't, they couldn't lose him on Family Ties. That's ridiculous. Uh, unreal. Uh, unreal. I mean, that's truly a unreal. new contract to have him on folk shows. But no, because they kind of make the weirdest concepts ever for this spinoff. Also, like, the characters seem like, like garbage, like, from the minute he showed up. I mean, I'm not familiar with him, so maybe he's, like, really I mean, charming I, I outside like of that moment. I like the second of his spinoff, where he's working at a daycare center for juvenile delinquents. Like, know, what like, the hell? I mean, I'm, I'm describing him as Nash Ricky. How would you guys describe him? It's basically like a David well, Lee Roth-style The Wikipedia describes him as a Sylvester Stallone-esque boyfriend artist. What?! What?! I think we're getting further away from what that character was. Like, he did not go across as Sylvester Stallone at all. Oh my god, it's like, he's like a lot, I mean, look, I, I don't know him, so I'm just based off of what I saw of him in this episode, he comes across like a washed up roadie from the 80s, like that would have made sense that maybe there would be a show about it, but it doesn't sound like what you're describing is, she's artistic, nothing about him looked artistic, he was wearing like leather pants with a ribbon tied around one he of his looks like, okay, yeah, so I just like searched the character, he looks like a, like a missing lost boy. <laughs> Yes, exactly. You're like, eating maggots, I said Nash Ricky for a reason. I'm telling you, like he wore like leather pants with a ribbon tied around one of the belt loops, guys. Like it was like some Aerosmith bullshit. Like it's bizarre to imagine a show based around him, especially it's not like rock and roll based. It's like what are you even watching? But if you're saying he's an artist, it makes even ugh, nothing about that makes any sense. But he shows up, and he's like, I don't. I don't know what the the joke was. I guess because he's supposed to be like a dummy compared to Alex. Ha ha ha. He's like, you know, what do you think? Nick doesn't have anything to help you learn. And he's like, no, Nick ain't got nothing. And like all these stupid like grammar jokes because like Nick's an idiot. Ha ha ha. Like I don't even know where. Like what's the humor of the? Is, is Nick character supposed to be the stupid one? Like like the buffoon. I mean, two two dummies together. Laughs and Sue. He's the boner or something. I don't. It's just such a weird like. I, don't, I just, I can't, I'm, I'm truly shocked by what you just told me. But so he comes in and just sort of, like, gives Alex a hard time. Alex is just like, meh. And then um, he, he has a weird flashback to another moment where he got an A on an essay because the teacher couldn't even understand the concept of the, the economy that he went into, which I find very hard to believe, but fine. I mean, it's a joke, whatever. But it's him just, like, showing how great it was, blah, blah, blah. And then you get these snapshots of, I guess, how Greg influenced him. Yet again, though, like, not a real character on the show. Hard to take seriously, because it's like in a moment, he's suddenly there. Well, they, well now we know they weren't going to kill off Nick. That's for sure. That's the only thing keeping this whole show afloat, apparently. I mean, I would have, I probably would have even mentioned, like, why didn't they just kill off Nick? But I guess we know why. But, um. Nick moments... was the money. They would have killed off Alex before they killed off Nick. It reminds That's me. ridiculous. It reminds me of that episode of Rick and Morty where there's like all these random characters that show up that make no sense, and that's literally I think it's I forget like Mr. Poopy Butthole, but among other people, like Nick showing up makes like no sense to the plot of the. It almost feels like he's an arbitrary like third party. He needed the ratings for us. Oh my god, he's a parasite. But so. Oh uh, my god, you hate Nick so much already. I love it. I, Partly yes, partly the, the characters that show up on Rick and Morty are actual parasites. I don't want to make it seem too hostile. But so, he, you find out that Greg introduced um, Alex to rock music. Which again is like such a basic, like, kind of, it's like, ugh. Alex must have been such a fucking drag before he met Greg. Because, like, he's listening to, like, The Doors or some bullshit, like, some 80s band. And he's, and, like, Farmer yeah, or something. Yeah, The Doors. 
Yeah, and they're like they're jamming out to the doors, and the sister. I think it's I think it's Mallory, right? Which one says it? I mean, <laughs> I'm already a loose cannon. Mallory is Justine Bateman. No, I know. I just I forget. I literally just forgot which one mentioned it to him. I think it was Mallory though. But um, she says like it's uh, Mallory. Yeah, you like rock and roll now, huh? He's like, no, I don't. Greg does, and he's like, uh. And then you cut to the two of them like having a best friend like ex- experience where they're both like jamming out to the doors, and it's just one of those. Yeah, and it's one, of, <laughs> you know, as you do, but like it, it's one of those things where it's Emmy it's just, winning, Emmy winning <laughs> the star episode. series best friend experience. God. But like, honestly, it's it's it is sad on a level where he's so uptight that he can't even admit that he likes the doors in the 80s like it's just no one should ever admit they like the doors well when it was the 80s <laughs> i feel like it was probably pretty common but like it's just such a weird in the 80s right not, no not really oh i don't know well foreigner then it's just to not like rock and music like it's you get the impression that alex p keaton before you met this greg guy who you've never seen before was basically like listening to classical music and Sinatra or something, and, like, writing essays all day during the lunch break with his teacher. Like, it's such a weird... Yeah. And then it, he met Greg, weird... and Greg shook like, him up. Yeah, the doors are a band from the 60s, so, like, maybe they could have done something contemporary. You're right. You're, that, you're right on that. It's just... I think it's more, to me, the problem is just, like, making Greg responsible so, for so many of these integral parts of Alex's new personality and, like, coming Did of age. Did he music <laughs> yes. with his personality? But, like, I mean, that matters if he's never enjoyed enjoyed music before then, and it's the first time he's, like, allowed himself to be happy. Like, I want this to be the first time he ever heard music. <laughs> well, he's, it's certainly acting, like, like, listening to Farner for the first time in, like, the middle of the 80s, and acting like it's, like, some big revolutionary thing, is, like, pretending, like, I just heard my first One Direction song yesterday. Like, come on! Everyone's heard a One Direction song. It's just, come on! I, it just, it, I found it so... I don't know. It was just very, very good. Like, they were also listening sad. to Steppenwolf. There was no foreigner at any point. Oh, so you know. I'm sorry. I knew it was something else. Foreigner never like, showed up in this, in this episode of television. It was Steppenwolf at the door. Steppenwolf. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, and so he starts crying hysterically, remembering this. Although there is a moment I should mention, like a really, I guess like, was it, maybe I'm misinterpreting it. I thought it was a gay joke, or maybe I'm wrong. Because there's a moment where uh, Greg goes to leave, and Alex is like, Greg, don't go. Stay. And yeah, that, says, I thought that was a gay joke, too. This is so sudden. And he says it like, I actually, like, this is kind of nice, and then they kind of immediately like, you know, downplay it, like, whoa, 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 I'm just, I don't want you to leave and die. <laughs> it's like, Jesus Christ. But the friend, I mean, the friend seemed to Not be kind of... Not a gay moron. Gotta oh, make it clear. I gotta really differentiate. But it, again, he starts crying hysterically, and he's like, don't go, don't go. And Greg's just, like, laughing it off, because he's like, dude, you're, like, overreacting. I have to go home and have dinner. But, of course, in, in, like, the trauma center of Alex's brain, he's reliving the experience of him dying every time he talks to him. And so he leaves again, and it's just, like, horrified. And then there's this awful moment, which is truly, like, the R-Town moment of the episode, where every piece of the set that has been, like... Because we mentioned before, it's, like, a, a, it's a black box set. And anyone who's seen a black box, there's usually, like... A overhead light that lights up just one part of the stage at a time. Now, this is the part of the episode where they light up every overhead light. So you see, like, five different parts of the stage all at once, and it looks awful. I mean, it is... It's like the end of the ep- end of the play where everyone comes out and, like, does a little curtsy and stuff. It's just such a... Also, like, they have a lot of money. A lot. <laughs> Ties was, like, a top ten show. 
I mean, it was Emmy Award winning. The dick was getting the ratings, baby. Oh, God. And so they all, and then they all just basically say, like, you know, Alex, it's okay. You're, like, this is, it's dealing with life. Like, it's all these dumb little, like, they read, they re-say, like, the little, like, um, uh, one-liners that each of those little memories have had. And it's, like, sort of supposed to get him back to the place of, like, healing. And he's sitting on the ground, like, upset. And then his baby brother comes over and then he's like, can I, are you bad, are you feeling bad or something? He's like, yeah. He's like, can I kiss it and make it better? And he gives him a kiss on the cheek. No, kid, shut up. (laughs) And he says, that was me 17 years ago. And truly, guys, I mean, this is the same person he wasn't sure about the two sisters. I was like, was that supposed to be the only but truly, I didn't know of that. But then I'm like, no, it's the same kid from the beginning. And I, I looked it up. It was him, guys. I, mean, I guess Great work. <laughs> I had to make sure, guys. But no, he, he... I mean, I've seen so much bullshit during this episode. I didn't know what was real and what wasn't. But um, he he's just sort of like, look look at what children are. Basically, all the young and innocent before I had all this stuff happen to me and make me all upset. So he was kind of reliving But he was that. never young and innocent. That's what the therapy was saying. Yeah. Well, no, exactly. He's just like his version of... Be- and then... There was this really creepy moment, which is, again, I hate to tear down a child actor because it's not like it's their fault. He was a good child actor, so it's fine. Yeah, and he, um, he, he, like, the little brother turns around and, like, does a little, like, trick to try and get the mom to get the whipped cream where he just pretends to sneeze. Like, haha, I taught my child, I taught my younger brother to be a terrible person. Um, and then the, the little kid walks off, and then they get back to the, the basics of it, where it's the therapist basically asking Alex for, I guess, the second time, or at least more than one time, he asks him, do you believe in God? And Alex is just sort of like, I don't know, well, not really, but then how do mountains exist? And he kind of goes on one of those, like, philo- philosophical, uh, dudes who took one, one class in philosophy where he starts talking about all the weird, mystical parts of, of nature that couldn't be just accidentally occurring or couldn't have happened without some kind of influence um, from above. And he sort of just sort of, you know, like, I'm not really sure. And he never really settles on yes or no, but he certainly comes down on, I think, like, probably. Um, But he's not super comfortable about, like, putting a label on it, which is fine. And then, no, I think um, he does. He is like God is real, but he's like the exact God I picture where, like, I get to be into money, I get to love women, Reagan. <laughs> no. Uh, but so he he starts talking about, like, you know, what it, what it means to, to be uh, a, a human being. Kind of, He starts understanding with the, princi- with the uh, psychi- psychiatrist, like, the principles of, like, being a good person. That's kind of where he's coming from. But, um, and it, it's nice. I mean, it's a good place to end on. But again, it's pretty abrupt because they pretty much says, well, he's like, wow, this is pretty good. And, uh, you know, I can be a good person. And he, and I think that was the nice part that it did end on, which was just sort of him saying the, the way that my sister described people living on could literally be true because if I bring Greg's warmth and kindness with me, it's like he is living on inside of me, which is a pretty common thread in a lot of, like, you know, people talking about grief. But it's... It was it was a nice place to land, even even though I think the rest of the episode's a little bit trite. I think it's a little honest for him to say, yeah, it was fucked up what happened. And then they kind of don't shy away from that. They don't, like, give it an easy answer. They kind of leave it ambiguous in the end. He just sort of, he's still upset, but he's going to just move on and try and be a better person and, and live the life that Greg would have wanted him to live or whatever. And then 
he mentions the, the therapist, like, oh, I should have done this a while ago. And he's like, well, why don't you, I could talk to you for another hour or something. And the therapist's like, well, let's start from the beginning. And he says, well, my name is Alex, Ke Alex B. Keaton. And it just, like, cuts to black. Everyone's and then thunderous oh. emotional applause. <laughs> Jesus Christ. And it's like, I, I kind of get what they were going for because I was exhausted at the end of it. So that's <clears> what they were trying for. It worked because you really like, had to deal with the fact that this kid just broke apart in front of you and then tried to reassemble himself. But I just, I mean, I don't know about you guys. I found it very, very annoying in parts. It's not the worst thing we've ever watched. It wasn't. Oh, yeah, that's definitely. But not even close just, to the worst thing we've ever watched. I think it's interesting. And I, I, we, uh, you mentioned before, Ali, the, the, um, uh, the AV Club piece that uh, I think it was Noel wrote. Which yeah. It, no, no, Mario wrote. It's, it's interesting because I don't think that it was necessarily a bad episode of the time at all, especially considering how shitty some other episodes of this show and other shows was uh, were. But I think it did not age well. And I think it, it's in part because so much of 80s television influenced what 90s and current television isn't. And so, like, we kind of rebelled against this show... By being the opposite of it, or like lampooning it in some way. Well, like, it was a fine, long. very special episode, but the whole, all very special episodes are bad. True. I mean, <laughs> it's hard. It's hard <laughs> That's to be like what? Because I, I actually, yeah. I mean, I like Family. T I don't love Family Ties, but I do like Family Ties. And I think maybe it's because we live in a world where like Degrassi now exists, where it's just sort of like we've seen so many iterations of special episodes that it's so hard to take any version of it seriously anymore, because this is clearly, like, a, for a very special episode, very, very novice in comparison. Although it was obviously one of the first bigger... I mean, it's... Well, it's also fucked up that this drama episode got, like, the, which continues to be an issue to this day, it's fucked up that this drama episode got entered in the comedy category for the writing for the Emmys. Did it? Oh, you're right, it did. Cause he won yeah. It won the comedy where, and it's like, anytime that happens, it's like, very special episodes led to, like, the big C, which, like, sweeps the Emmys every, or we used to sweep the Emmys every year, and then, like, the actual sitcoms never stand a chance for award. Well, yeah, it still happens. I mean, Transparent is still in a comedy, I think, which is Ugh. ludicrous. <laughs> and, like, it, it, it is. Um, but it, right. I, I feel like, the fact that this one for a comedy is... I mean, you could say, of course, there are moments in the episode where there is telegraphed laughter in the beginning and throughout some parts of the second half. But, but no one would say that was the best part of the funny, episode. Yeah, it's not a funny episode of television. In fact, it, again, we mentioned before, it's so jarring to watch laughter in result... I mean, I, again, if this was like... If they aired this as a cartoon and changed the names and the whatever, changed the basics of it and aired it on like Adult Swim... Yeah, but if they aired it on, like, Adult Swim at night, it'd be a fucked up episode of TV. It'd be, like, the people laughing in the beginning like that, everyone would find it, like, can you believe they're, like, laughing about a funeral? I mean, look, there's been crazier things people laugh about in modern TV and, uh, writing, but, like, I feel like it just accidentally acts as, like, a, a parody of itself. And, and Latoya, you mentioned before, which I, again, I highly recommend, it's not on Netflix yet, unfortunately, but it's on, um, Google Play. Uh, the Comedy Bang Bang episode lampooning this is phenomenal and includes Alice and Jenny, among other uh, great moments. Yeah, it's the like, Alice and Jenny episode of Comedy Bang Bang from the last season. Yeah, uh, season 5, episode 15, I think is what it was. Yeah. Um, but 
it is truly like the reason why it's that perfect. episode's yeah, it's it's perfect not only because it lampoons it, it really is almost just like shot for shot the same thing. And there's a reason why it's so funny in today's context is because even though he's they're basically quoting moments from the episode we just watched, it's because it's funny. Like there's an inherent funniness in how absolutely absurd and serious in tone it is when you're considering there's like a laugh track in the same episode. Like it's so strange. And I would find that like, if you, again, I mentioned, like, the Adult Swim thing, it's like the fucking Too Many Cooks or something, where it's like, this is so weird that, like, there's this, like, cheery, smiley side to, like, this absolute, utter, like, tragedy or, like, awfulness going on. Like, there, there's something innately funny in the contrast of it, which I think, at the time, worked in a different way than it does now, which is just that it was much more um, universally accepted as, like, good writing, whereas nowadays it'd just be considered good comedy still decent writing but it's like accidentally funny instead of funny for the reasons they meant it back in the 80s i don't know it's just it's a strange it's a strange life this episode has li- lived because i think at the time it was, it was very lauded it obviously won emmy awards um mistakenly as a comedy but like nowadays i think this is kind of universally made fun of as like that crazy episode of family ties at the black box because like again that on its own has been lampooned a lot in other episodes of tv and movies where you, you cut to, like, a character experiencing a trauma and, like, reliving it. I mean, fuck, the whole, ep- the whole show of Titus had elements of this, where he would just cut to him in a did room you, with a light bulb. Did you like, just reference Titus in a way that's not insulting the show Titus? I mean, I'm not, I don't love Titus, I'm just saying it definitely Is Titus like your favorite show with VIP? <laughs> no one brings up Titus unless it's, like, making a joke to about Titus. I'm trying to other Titus that use the, the same elements. I think there are other ones that have used it. That's this one that always jumps out at me is especially stark. Because it was weird to have like cut to black, black box moments like that. It's just, it's a strange choice to make because it, it comes across as incredibly pretentious which nowadays is used usually for for the element of comedy instead of seriousness. But, ugh, it was it's rough. But anyway guys, <laughs> that was Family Ties. You had something else, I mean I really do highly recommend the Coming Bang Bang episode. It's phenomenal. Well, I, I recommend the Courtney but... Cox episodes yeah. of Family Ties. <laughs> I still don't know why we didn't watch uh, Drunk Uncle Tom Hanks. Ah, uh, that sounds like something I would probably like to revisit as well. Is he, so he, how drunk on your was time. he? How drunk was he? Is he like really drunk? Like goes to like a rehab? He or was something? an alcoholic who was trying to get like a, like a high from vanilla extract at one point in the what? episode. <laughs> oh my god, I'm definitely <laughs> watching that later. Oh, and I watched, it's it's a great double feature to watch this episode and be like laughing the parts of it. You could fast forward the parts that are boring. It's pretty, it's pretty quick. It, it's, it, it drags in moments, but it's mostly over fast, faster than you think a 45 minute episode will be. But I don't know. <laughs> but if you watch this back to back with Kami Bang Bang, it's hilarious. Because you, if you watch how specifically they lampoon it, like there are whole elements of, of the Kami Bang Bang episode where they basically have the exact same blocking and it just cuts to... Weird Al, like, yeah, he put a lot of effort into that episode. Of it's amazing. It's amazing. It's and the Al and Jenny parts are good as well. Oh God, Jeez. everything about that episode worth watching. So yeah, so that's family ties, guys. Uh, let's move on to plugs. What's up with you, Latoya? Well, I guess I can't plug the Comedy Bang Bang episode because you oh, did. I'm sorry. So I will plug uh, the Good Wife and the Good Fight, both on CBS All Access. And I also will plug uh, the Children's Hospital episode, Children's Hospital Play 3 Act, because that's their Our Town episode. 
should watch Making History so that it doesn't get cancelled. My parents love I think... it, so it's definitely reaching some demos they didn't expect, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, that's very interesting. Um, <laughs> I feel I like Making History is going to get cancelled, and I'm really sad. Hmm. I, I, lo- I, I like that. The show's very charming. Go watch it, guys. Yeah. Alright, awesome. And then, as always, I'm at Mara E on Twitter. The next episode of this show will be the Mother's Day episode we watch. Uh, we are men. But also, I'd like to plug Sweet Vicious, even though it did get cancelled, but everyone should watch it anyway. it'll find life other places. I think I've heard some people saying it might, but who knows nowadays. I would also plug Great News. I thought Great News was great. Oh, I love Great News. I've seen every episode, and I love it so much. Wait, how many episodes? Uh, 13 or whatever? I I, like They sit in a screech for the whole season. I'm so... I want to oh. see all of Great News so bad. God. <laughs> I'm so jealous. Very right, good. And then, and then you can always rate, subscribe, review us on iTunes, um, follow us on Twitter at the Televoid or email us at thetelevoid at gmail.com. Uh, let me know if I'm alone in my Michael Gross affection. I don't know. I am. I probably am. I, I'll live with this life. <laughs> I've made it this far. Alright, and then as always, guys, thanks for wandering into the Televoid. We'll see you next time. Bye bye. Bye.